Hanging on Trophy Kids, we've got an awesome show for you. I am recapping the Bucks Super Bowl Championship and the entire Super Bowl from both sides, Chiefs and Buccaneers. And I'm going to talk about what's next for the Bucks, how I see next season going. It's a good one. Let's go. <laughs> presented by Bad News Media. It is February 10th. As always, I am your host, Nate. It is just to me today. Doing a quick recap of my Super Bowl champion Buccaneers, what it meant to me, how I saw the game break down, um, going through it all. We are going to be back Friday with a normal show, but I wanted to hop on and talk Bucks. I mean, I I, I was consuming all the media the last two days because that's that's the best, one of the best parts of winning the Super Bowl is, you know, the next day, day after that, you are the talk of the town. Um, reading the articles, seeing what people were saying, which I normally try to, to hold off on so that we don't bleed too much from other shows into this show, and it's authentic and it's real. Um, and I got to say, cap off to us. I mean, we I don't want to toot my own horn here, but we called this game pretty damn close on Friday's podcast. I mean, I did not foresee that we would hold the Chiefs to zero touchdowns. Zero touchdowns. But I did see this win coming. It's why I gave out the money line pick. It's why I gave Buccaneers plus three and a half. You know, it's why I gave the playoff Lenny props. By the way, another kind of toot our own horn here. Down the stretch, Trophy Kids was unmatched. Sure, might not have had the best pick season across the board in the NFL, but down the stretch finished damn good last three weeks of NFL football was three and one, three and one, and five and three in the Super Bowl. Finished the year at seventy seven wins, sixty six losses, and five pushes. College, seventy five wins, fifty one losses and two pushes. Not too shabby. I mean that's a sixty percent win percentage in college football, fifty four percent win percentage in the NFL. Thank you for being part of the Trophy Kids movement. Hopefully we'll won you some money there. Um, and that's why you come here. We want to give you the best breakdown especially in football. That's our bread and butter. Um, so if you weren't part of the movement, get subscribed now. Share with your friends. So next season, they're right here with us. And we're going to bring you some great stuff here with basketball, hockey, the UFC we're going to get real into here. So join us. Be part of the Trophy Kids movement. We'd love to have you. But let's talk this football game because this was – it was awesome. I said it on Friday's podcast. This team, to me, showed flashes of that 2002 team. Now, the offense was better, and the talent, I think, was better, especially offensively. And I'm not saying across the board, but like this defense showed flashes, and man, did they live up to that. And I said, you know, earlier in the season, when, when before we played the Chiefs earlier in the season, I had said that I think the Bucks are one of the only teams in the NFL that matches up great with the Chiefs offensively and was going to give them fits. Now, they did not do that, obviously, in the first meeting. But we hadn't had our bye week. They were tired, and they just caught off us off our off guard, not our best game. You know, schematically, we did a lot of things that the Bucks hadn't done all season. We played a lot of man in that first quarter, and Tyreek Hill thrashed us. But as Michael said on Friday's podcast, you know, everything that could go wrong sort of went wrong in that first meeting. Wasn't going to happen again. Todd Bowles was going to come and bring an awesome scheme to this game, and it was going to be a much different story. And it was. We were completely right in that. And Todd Bowles has been getting a ton of credit across the board, deservingly so. That man should have been MVP. He should have an opportunity to be a head coach somewhere else. You know, selfishly, I, I wanted him back as the defensive coordinator. It looks like we're going to get him back. So I, I love that, but I hope he gets a chance to be an NFL coach, head coach again, because I, I think he deserves it. He's a phenomenal guy. And he drew up a great scheme. And then there were some takes out there that were like, yeah, it was a good scheme by Todd Bowles, but it was really the players that executed, which is true. And it's more about them. And I don't disagree 
but they're missing the bigger picture and what the genius level was for Todd Bowles, and that was identifying a weakness that is known, but we don't really talk a lot about for Patrick Mahomes, that the Buccaneers were in the perfect position to take advantage of. And what do I mean by that? Patrick Mahomes, for as great as he was, is, and I'm not taking anything away from it, he's got insane talent, arm talent, everything. We're going to get to him. And that offensive line definitely let him down. Did not play well there. Banged up. Obvious story there. But what the Bucks did in recognizing sort of one of the one big weak, really only weakness I see in Patrick Mahomes' game is his tendency is not to step up and maneuver around the pocket. He is not a guy that climbs the pocket. He's not a guy that has great pocket mobility. Sort of like Tom Brady. Tom Brady doesn't have good mobility. He's got to work within the pocket. He does it phenomenally. Patrick Mahomes, because he's so gifted athletically and from a, a skill standpoint, raw skill is just a freak, he tends to drop back deep and push out the pocket towards the sidelines to either make a play downfield or to run with the ball. Todd Bowles and this Buccaneers offense saw that. And I'm not saying there was a ton of times, because there wasn't a ton of times where he really had a pocket. But the Bucks purposely ran schemes from the defensive line standpoint. They didn't really blitz. They only blitzed under 10% of the time. And they still managed to get 38 pressures. But what they did is they 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 were so creative on the defensive line. They brought Vita Vey out of defensive end sometimes. They pushed the pocket inwards knowing that Mahomes would peel out and then had Shaq Barrett running on the... There was one play, I can't remember... Exactly one of the game, but it was in in Jeff Short uh, Shorts, I think his last name is, was pointing this out on Twitter. But sh- they had Shaq Barrett lined up on the left side of the field. They then ball snapped. He peels out towards the right side as the rest of the guys push the pocket to the left, making Patrick Mahomes peel out right, and Shaq Barrett's right there. Like that's the genius. And then they were able to drop everybody back and play a fantastic football game there. Um, And that was the other thing. You know, we were talking about this on Friday's pod. One of the biggest benefits for the Buccaneers is the fact that that linebacking core is so good with Devin White and Levante David, who finally, thank God, Levante David, finally got to show the world what he is about. This man has been grinding out for the Bucs for years now without the recognition he deserves. This is the best linebacking duo in the league, in my opinion. And I'm, I'm, I'm taking off my Bucks glasses and I'm putting on just an a unbiased opinion here. They are. They're undoubtedly the best because they, they can play in coverage. They can get sideline to sideline. They don't miss a lot of tackles. And you saw it. I mean, Devin White was literally everywhere last night. Levante David had the task of guarding Kelsey. And Kelsey's stat line's good, but what did you notice? Kelsey did not get a lot of yak. He didn't get a lot of yards after catch. Levante David was on him like white on rice. Um, and Levante David has been a stud for us. He is the first player that I would say really was kind of the building blocks towards this. You know, Jason wasn't there yet at, at GM, but we drafted him in 2012, and you can you can trace this team back in the leadership that's been building there by Levante David pick in 2012. And from there, we've been building for this. Um, and I'm glad he finally got to show out. I hope we bring him back. That's going to be something we talk about here towards the end in free agency, but he got to show out. Devin White was everywhere. This secondary, I had been saying it all year. Carlton Davis was growing up in front of our eyes this year, and it showed in this game. I mean, his stat line was great. He was in 
he had 54 coverage snaps. There were only four targets towards him, two receptions for 14 yards. I mean, the guy, I, I was saying it earlier in the season, he grew up in front of our eyes this year. Um, Winfield played great. The secondary was so young, and they were they were the Achilles heel. I said it on Friday. If, if you had to point to an Achilles heel on this defense, it was the secondary. But the secondary was still, they were so good individually. Their problem all season, for my opinion, was simply communication issues. It wasn't the fact that they weren't good enough to play against the best players. They weren't athletically gifted enough. They weren't smart enough. It was just simply communication issues because they're young. Um, you know, the most experienced guy on this team has only been in the league for four years in that secondary. So y- you saw them have issues when you send a, a, a wide receiver in motion um, or you get play action and they didn't pass off guys right in zones or they didn't understand kind of the coverage good, uh, well enough. But Todd Bowles got them in line. He he got them to understand what the scheme was going to be for this game, and they executed on the highest level. I mean, this defense pitched a shutout. They pitched a shutout and were absolute dominant, which is what the Bucks do. We've been into two Super Bowls now, outscored our opponents 79-30 to combined in those two Super Bowls. Fantastic showing for them. Offensively, I mean, you know, we talk about the defensive line. That offensive line's elite. I mean, you, Ryan Jensen, fantastic. Ali Marpet, fantastic. Donovan Smith, who who has not always been kind of the best player, um, I've given him a lot of a lot of flack, has played awesome down the stretch this year. Tristan Wirth, I mean, can't say enough about him. We're going to get to him when I talk about Jason and, and his abilities as a GM um, and his draft. But, I mean, Tristan Wirth, let's just talk about it now. He's 22 years old. Started 20 games this year. Didn't miss a single offensive snap. That's 1,280 plays he played. He only has had one penalty since week five. He has had 799 passing block snaps, and in that time he's only given up one sack. And he's a rookie. I mean, talk about hitting the lottery. I'd say he's the best rookie in this draft class. He has played at his position better than any rookie. He's played better at his position than most right tackles. I mean, he's a top-tier right tackle from day one in this league. It is crazy impressive what he has done. Um, But offensive line played fantastic. Tom Brady, there was only one, I think, one sack. What was the number? Um... The pressures, yeah, they only got five pressures last night. And that was because Leftwich, to his credit, you know, he has gotten better in his play calling with this team. It was not always pretty. He was not always the best. And there are, I think, some legitimate questions about how much of this was Leftwich, how how much of this was Brady, how much of this was Bruce. But he still deserves a ton of credit because at the end of the day, he's calling plays, he called effective, he mixed in a lot of pass uh, play action. He did the one thing I said he couldn't, or he did, what we were talking about on Friday, in which you can't just automatically run the ball on first down and get predictable, and he didn't do that. He passed the ball a lot on first down this game, more so than we had been doing. Um, there were still some some errors there. I mean, putting Ron, uh, Ronald Jones in on the goal line uh, instead of playoff Letty was stupid. Um, not that Ronald Jones isn't a fantastic back, but come on now. Leonard Fournette is more of a downhill guy, more physical. Ronald Jones is phenomenal running back. I'm so excited about his future with the Bucks. He has immense talent, but down there on the goal line, give it to playoff lighting. Um, sorry, taking a drink of water there. Offensively, though, great. I mean, A.B., that route he ran down in the goal line. <laughs> that thing was a thing of beauty. Gronk, fantastic. I mean, it was just across the board. Unselfish play, great play. Tom Brady sure didn't have a ton of yards. He completed an absurd amount of his passes. I mean, it was just, it was an ass-kicking on all phases of the ball. 
Now, there were some things that obviously people are going to want to talk about. They're going to come up with excuses. One of those is the penalties. The penalties did not lead to the Chiefs scoring nine points. Did help us offensively. There's no doubt about that. But the Chiefs shot themselves in the foot. I mean, if you want to to say that that... Um, actually, you know what? Let's start here with the penalties. There were some good calls. There were some bad calls. And there were some calls that going into the game you knew were going to be made. This officiating crew was known for calling a lot of penalties. This officiating crew had two weeks to prep for this game. You know, officials don't step off the bus going into these games live. They study these teams. They learn their tendencies. The Chiefs are known around the league to be a grabby team in the secondary. And there's a lot of officiating crews that will let people play. And that's generally what what you want. I'm I'm not arguing that. I want to see that. I want to see that. I don't want to see... you know, tacky kind of penalties. Uh, And I want them to call them consistently across the board. But they know that about the Chiefs. You know, they talk to the coaches before the games. They they see what their concerns are, and they watch for certain things. And this crew's known for calling a lot of penalties, and they they called a lot of grabby penalties. A lot of those calls, they were holding. That's just plain and simple. Now, we can debate whether it was worthy of a flag um, or whether the balls were uncatchable in some cases, which I think there are some cases for maybe the one out of the back of the end zone. But, you know, that one with Mike Evans streaking down the field, if that's Tyreek Hill or Travis Kelsey, they're also getting that call. Like, if it's reversed, the refs are calling that a 1,000% of the time. Um, because you don't know. Mike Evans could lay out for that ball. But the pick, that pick call, um, I, even if you think that's a bad call, it happens. Bad calls happen in a game. I don't even think it was a bad call. I mean, he was he was grabbing at him, holding him. I think it was a good call. I'm going to say that, of course, as a Bucks fan. But even if you say that's a bad call, okay, you then have to move on as a team. And they did. They they shut him down. They The Bucks were going to kick a field goal after that. And then what do you do? You line up off sides in the neutral zone. It's the easiest thing not to do. But they shot themselves in the foot. So there's no sympathy there. The The, the refs didn't win this game. The insane amount of pressure that the Brooks were able to get with four players won this game. The fact that Tom Brady didn't turn over the ball won this game. Um, the just flawless execution on both sides won this game. And the inconsistent execution by the Chiefs lost them this game. And I think that's a good time to kind of transition to that because now we're going to be looking at the, the Chiefs and where they go from here. And I said earlier, you know, one of the weaknesses of Patrick Mahomes is, is his... I don't know if it's unwillingness or inability to. I don't think it's necessarily an inability to. And I think he will as he develops. He's still got a very bright future out of him. He's incredibly talented. You can make the argument he's the most talented quarterback in the league. Um, I mean, that throw he made where he's parallel to the ground, throws it. If it was a spear, it would have killed the wide receiver. And he dropped it. Um, But because he's so athletically gifted, you do, if you go back and you watch the tapes, you will see time after time after time, and it's because he doesn't trust the offensive line. It's a banged-up offensive line. They didn't play good. I'm not disputing that. But there were times where they created a pocket for him, and if, you know, if it would have been Tom Brady or Peyton Manning or Drew Brees or even Aaron Rodgers to a point or, or these elite guys, you know, Joe Montana, these elite quarterbacks that would climb out of the pocket, he didn't climb the pocket and be able to really drive the football on some of these plays. What you saw him do, and what he does constantly in his career, because it works against, you know, 
30 out of 32 teams. But for the Bucks, who are so athletic and so fast on defense, it doesn't work because what he does is he drops back too far. Like like you're playing Madden, except for it's a real game now. He drops back too far outside of his line protection, and he peels off outside the pocket. But the problem is the Bucks' defensive ends, they're fast. They can cover a lot of ground. Devin White, sideline to sideline, one of the best linebackers in the league. Levante David, one of the best linebackers in the league, sideline to sideline, the secondary, hard hitting, fast. This team swarms to the ball. We were saying that on Friday. The Bucks are fast. They swarm to the ball. They win at the point of contact. They out-physical teams. They out-physical the Chiefs. Um, so that's something he should work on. The other thing he'll have to, and that will get better, no doubt, I don't think. Um, the other kind of criticism I'll put on him, and we saw this, is the whole team was out of sync. There were times where there were plays they ran earlier in the season where they'd motion the wide receiver across on what they would think is a blitzing play. And if it was a blitz, Patrick Mahomes would dump it to that wide receiver they just motioned across running out to the flat on a quick read. And they had that play early in the game. And I think it was uh, Malcolm Hardman, or I think I just pronounced it wrong, Hardman just didn't get his head around. And that's a that's a miscommunication issue. And that was, that was time and time again. There were times where the where the wide receiver wasn't in sync with what Patrick Mahomes wanted to have done. And that is that's on Andy Reid. That's an Eric Benemy. That's also on Patrick Mahomes because we talk about all these great gifts, all these great physical gifts he he has, and he does. But what makes you a goat? What makes you one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time? is getting everybody on the same page. And you see it with Tom. You saw it with Peyton. You're going to see it with Mahomes, I think, going forward, especially as he grows as a quarterback. But this team wasn't all on the same page. And you have to have that to win football games, especially at the Super Bowl level. And they just, they weren't. It wasn't all the line's fault. It, good part of it was. And them being banged up there, not having the depth they needed, but it wasn't all there. You know, the wide receivers dropped some balls in key situations. Travis Kelsey dropped that ball on 3rd and 15 early in the game after they got the goal line stopped. That's a huge momentum kill. And then they had the punting mishaps. You had a drop in the end zone. Like, all those things, they just compounding, snowballing effects. But you could see it when you go back on the tape. And then there was another time. I mean, I wrote it down. It was on 3rd and 8, minute 30 into the game. Patrick Lumber just completely missed his wide receiver. Part of it's because he was running. He just overthrew him a little bit. Wide receiver also backed off his route a little bit. Missed that opportunity. Could have hit him in stride. Had he hit him in stride, I don't know if he would have scored, but he would have come damn close to scoring. The pick he threw, he forced that ball. That was a bad decision by him. Like, I haven't been hearing, you know, all these sports shows, and it it, it adds to why so many people picked against the Bucks. Not me, though. Um... But why so many people did is this myth. Uh, it's almost like this mythical legend of what these Chiefs are. Patrick Mahomes is still mortal. These dudes still bleed like everybody else. You know, Tyreek Hill was second in drops this year um, in the NFL. He had 13 this season. Dante Johnson had 15. They were the leaders in drops this season. Like, these guys make mistakes. But we have this idea that they're almost superhuman and can overcome this. You know, he... There were there were plays to be made that just didn't get made, and they were rare. But they have to be made, and that's not all on him. Like I said, wide receivers were dropping balls. 
there were times where I was watching plays and instead of hitting his hot route, you know, he forced the ball downfield. And that works a lot of the times. But the Bucks defense, matchup-wise, because they could get pressure with four and drop everybody back, and because of the immense speed they have at all positions, I mean, they're fast everywhere. Speed of A moves for a big dude. They've got speed everywhere. Speed kills. Defense still wins championships when it's elite. This is an elite defense this year. Number one pass, or number one rush defense. 21 pass, but they showed up towards the end. They were able to jam guys at the line, play good coverage. Um, yeah, that happens. And it it was an under domination game. Um, as we th- as we thought, you know, it would be in certain areas. But I think the big lessons here to be learned if you're on the Chiefs side is one, you know, you want a healthy offensive line. You want to get some dr- some depth there. They're probably gonna, they might draft a guy, another guard, even though they don't need one or a tackle, just to add a little depth. Um, you know, Mahomes got to work on his pocket presence, moving up in p- the pocket instead of uh, backing out. You've got to, you know, execute better, get on the same page, be more in sync. And that's not all on Patrick Mahomes and the players. It's also on Andy Reid and, and the prep there. Um, and then I think the other thing is you have to be willing to adapt in-game. And the Chiefs did not adapt in-game. And what I mean by that is when the Bucks are just pressuring you with four linemen, they're blitzing less than 10% over the game. They're dropping back in the coverage. They're playing two safety highs. Even though it's their strong point, you got to decide to try to be out physical here. And you got to try to run the ball more. They ran the ball pretty decently when they decided to, the Chiefs. But as that game flowed and the Bucks showed a commitment to, we're not going to have you beat us with the deep ball, and your offensive line is not doing a good job dropping back and getting pass protection, you got to let the big uglies up front get physical and move forward with the ball just from the mental aspect. I mean, they're getting beat like drums on the line. And at times, you know, you threw a wrinkle in there. You, you had a tight end block or you had a, a running back chip. I think they should have done that more. But it, the inability to adapt the offense when it's just not working, guys are out of sync. It's not flowing. You just got to dedicate yourself to the run the ball a little bit more. Um, and I'm not saying that would have won the game, but it certainly would have helped the Chiefs here, I think. And then you can work off the play action. And it, it's got to be an ab and flow thing. And, it, and it's, you know, easy to call it out in hindsight. But I had said going into this, and I, I believe it with all my heart, that Todd Bowles is the best in-game adjustment defensive coordinator out there. I believe Andy Reid is the brightest mind offensively. And one, it might be one of the brightest minds offensively the game's ever seen. I'm not going to say that definitively, but certainly in the NFL right now. But Todd Bowles outsmarted him and just dominated him. And it was because he came up with the scheme. They executed the scheme pers- uh, perfectly. And you didn't try to make him adjust anything in-game. You didn't put any wrinkles in there in-game and adjust to the flow of it. Um, so, yeah, it's just an epic failure by the Chiefs. On the Bucks side of the ball, kicked ass. It was an awesome win. was super excited for it, obviously. Now let's, let's kind of talk what's next, though, because they're, they're winning a Super Bowl and repeating is, is the hardest thing in all of sports. Tom Brady is obviously the GOAT. Everybody's been talking about it. 
He's obviously the best football player um, ever. And I think we'll talk a little bit more on Thursday, kind of the silly debates that are going around of how it bleeds into other sports. Um, but the guy's insane. I mean, he has more Super Bowl wins than the Browns, Lions, Texans, Chargers, Jaguars, Titans, Cardinals, Bengals, Panthers, Falcons, Vikings, Bills, Rams, Seahawks, Eagles, Bears, Jets, and Saints combined. If Tom Brady was his own organization, he'd have more Super Bowls than any franchise ever in the history of the NFL. The dude is 7-3 and three in Super Bowls. We're never going to see that again. It's the hardest sport to repeat it. Him because you know so th- so many things have to go right, but just from the injury standpoint, this is the most physical game on the planet. To get to the Super Bowl healthy is insane. There are so many great teams that don't get to reach their potential because of of bad injuries or, or injuries to key guys. So just to get through the season is insane. And then when you put it in the context of a global pandemic, that's what makes this this run even crazier and, and, and more special. I think <coughs> is the fact that they didn't have a regular off season. They didn't get get a full kind of offseason this year, and Tom Brady's new to the system. AB's new to the system. Gronk's new to the system. Leonard Fournette's new to the system. All guys who scored in the Super Bowl. And they had to learn it on the fly, and they did a phenomenal job, and I expect the ceiling to even be higher next year. And that's what makes that so impressive. And they were all on the same page, and that's that's kind of that big separator right now. You know, it's not it's not so much more for me the Super Bowls. I think we use Super Bowl wins to separate quarterbacks when they're so close. We need things to differentiate them for. But and everybody always goes to Tom. You know, for years now they've been saying, well, Aaron Rodgers is a better skilled quarterback. Patrick Mahomes is a better skilled quarterback. Drew Brees has more skill in his arm than Tom Brady. But the thing that he has done better than any quarterback in the history of the NFL is getting all of the guys in the locker room on the same page, especially offensively. Very rarely in postseason play do you see the Patriots out of sync like you saw the Chiefs out of sync. And you saw it in the press conference. Both sides of the football, defensively and offensively, crediting Tom Brady for them all getting there. From a leadership standpoint, not from a physical skill standpoint, but from a leadership standpoint. And that's what differentiates him from every other quarterback in this league at the highest level. Um, yeah, I mean, we'll talk more about it on Friday a little bit. But one thing I do want to talk about is what does the future hold for the Bucks? You know, can they repeat? I mean, there's going to be a lot of things that... Um, they're going to have to do. I mean, there's a lot of key free agents. You know, just off the bat, the, the, the three biggest, Shaq Barrett, Levante David, and Chris Godwin, all free agents. And it's deeper than that. You know, Sue's going to be available to enter free agency, potentially. Antonio Brown, Gronk, Leonard Fournette, like all these guys. We're going to have to see what we do. But, and this is the Tom Brady effect, and this is actually him just being one of the best players out there. Mike Evans, you already saw Bruce Arians talking about how Mike Evans is going to be willing to take less money to sign on, which is awesome, and or take less money to, to get other guys to sign back on and keep the core together. Um, I have all the faith in Jason. Jason is kind of the somewhat of the unsung hero here, I think. There hasn't been a lot of shows I've heard talk about Jason or GM and the phenomenal job he has done. Now, Jason can't do two things. He can't draft quarterbacks, and he can't draft kickers. Or, for that matter, generally sign one. Thank God Ryan Suckup's here. He broke our, our kind of kicking history curse. Um, and honestly, I tweeted it, too. You know, I, I hate Jameis, um, and, but I'm thankful for him 
now that we're here because Jameis being as bad as he was and holding this team back allowed us to be in positions to draft Devin White, to go draft Worth, um, to, to, to kind of level up the team. And the foundation was so solid when Tom Brady stepped into this because of the work Jason had done in, in getting Bruce Arians. And Bruce Arians has been cr- getting credit on every show, as he should, and we give him credit here for hiring one of the most diverse staffs in, in league history, probably. I mean, he's got two women on the staff. We have African-American coaches at both coordinating positions, assistant coaches. Um, it's an incredibly diverse staff, but and that's awesome, and it's a, a triumph to Bruce. It's a triumph to those individuals. It's going to open the floodgates for more opportunity in the league, I think, especially when it's a Super Bowl-winning team. But to get back to Jason here, Jason understood the thing that so many GMs do not understand. And that is winning starts, just like building a house, it's so cliche, at the foundation. And being good on both the offense and defensive line. And if you look at this Tampa Bay team and how it's built, it is built from the ground up. The offensive line is shirt up. The defensive line is great. We got to get Shaq in free agency. I think he should be the top priority. You know, uh, Pro Football Focus tweeted this out, and I think it, it it gives all the and I've been saying it all year, pay this man his money. But it it is this in my mind sums it up. Most total pressures this season: Aaron Donald, one hundred and five; Shaq Barrett, ninety seven. No other player had more than seventy five pressures. You have to have that elite pass rusher, and I think he knows that because. This is how he's built the team. Great defensive line, great offensive line. Uh, it's taken a little while to get here, but he's built it. He's drafted really well. I mean, you go through his drafts. Just in the last three years, we get Vita Vey, Carlton Davis, Devin White, Jamal Dean, Tristan Wirths, Antoine Winfield. All through the draft. We drafted Mike Evans, Chris Godwin. Um, you know, it's just the list goes on. Uh, Mike Edwards, who's a great backup safety and has played. Um, you know, it's just, the you can just go through it. Ali Marpet, D3 lineman, dude balls out on the offensive line. Um, you just keep going down. Ronald Jones, going to be a great running back in this league. Um, he's done a phenomenal job, and then he's executed the free agency market perfectly. Getting guys like Sue, getting guys like Ryan Jensen, who was that critical piece. You know, I talk about how Levante David was the building block for this whole thing. Ryan Jensen's building block for that offensive line because he gave them an edge, a mentality of being physical, of being annoying, of just dominating the line of scrimmage. He brought that edge. Phenomenal pickup there. Um, you just can't say enough about what the job Jason's done. He did a bad job in drafting uh, Jameis. And he did a bad job at the kicking position. But outside of that, the man has done a phenomenal job. And I, I have full faith in the world he's going to execute it. But if he's listening or he comes across this, number one priority should be Shaq Barrett. I love Levante David. I hope Levante David stays. I don't want him to leave. I got a Levante David jersey in my closet. He has been my favorite player since the moment we've drafted him. But Shaq, Be- Shaq Barrett and keeping that elite pass rushing edge should be number one priority. Chris Godwin should be up there too. He's a stud. He's young. He's going to be phenomenal. But that's that's my that's my number one priority if I'm going into this offseason. And we're going to see. The other benefit that we have is the fact that, you know, by hiring Bruce Arians, you're going to get a lot of veterans, I think, this free agency 
who don't need the money. They've made money in their career, but they want Super Bowl wins. And the biggest knock you saw, I mean, Gronk is playing in the NFL because he wouldn't play for Belichick, and he didn't have to to come back. You know, players didn't really want to go to New England. I mean, they wanted to go to New England to win, but there's a lot of guys that just didn't want to deal with that and would rather go to the Chiefs or the Saints or to, to other organizations that were close but not that close. The Bucs are going to have the benefit of they have Tom Brady. Player, It's shown. Players want to go. Playoff Lenny. Leonard Fournette comes down to us. Gronk comes out of retirement to play for us. Antonio Brown would grab him. Like guys want to play with Tom Brady, and they want to play for Bruce because Bruce has shown you can have fun and you can still win at the highest of levels. And next season, we're going to have a full off season. I mean, it's going to be amazing. I cannot wait to see what this future holds for them. I want to thank everybody for sticking with us this football season. Hopefully, we won you some money here. Hopefully, you had some fun. Hopefully, you, you learned something in our breakdowns. I mean, I think we did. I mean, once again, I don't love to toot my own horn, but I'm going to toot it because to tr- we want to try to build this thing out. You go back and you listen to these podcasts since the playoffs started. We've done, I think, the best, if not one of the best jobs of breaking down these games and giving you the insight you need here to to understand them. If you're not a huge football fan and you're trying to learn the game, if you are a football fan, maybe you pick up something a little better. Maybe you sharpen your edge a little bit better. I hope we did that for you. Um, We're going to continue working here. I can't wait to see what we do here in the coming weeks with other sports that we love. I'm I'm huge in the UFC. We're going to kind of keep rolling them. You've seen us, what we do, but obviously football's our bread and butter. Hope you stick with us. We got some great things planned for you here coming up. Love you all. Thank you for the support. And we're going to keep going. And my Tampa Bay Buccaneers are Super Bowl champions. Let's go, baby. We'll see you Friday. Peace.